0: God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. A
3: hand bursts from the mud, naked and slimy. Trevor claws himself amnesiac from the hibernation sack and looks on the world with eyes not new but stripped of all memory. The bleak emptiness of the marsh around him echoes with the sounds of small insects. In the distance, hulking low on the horizon, the unnatural concrete shape of something man-made. Trevor turns his innocent face towards the setting sun as it sinks behind that human structure and begins to trudge. Behind him the flaccid sack sinks back into the bog with a sound that can only be described as the gargle. Welcome to the gargle. This is a a podcast. I'm your host, Alice Fraser. This is Sonic Glossy Magazine to the Bugles Audio Newspaper for Visual World. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are James Colley and John Luke Roberts. Welcome.
2: Hello. Hello. We both waved on an audio format. (laughs) I like to think the air causes sort of uh, ruptions across the microphone that can be heard. The benevolence of the way yeah. comes through.
3: It feels much more friendly. <laughs>
2: a psychic greeting to you all. I did that too, I just didn't have to say it.
3: <laughs> Before we uh, sit around the table and join the seance that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is Romy Coppola-Mars, famous from a single TikTok where she claimed that she wanted to make vodka pasta because she was grounded for trying to charter a helicopter on her dad's credit card so she could go have dinner with her camp friend, then had to Google onions. I mean, from the legacy of Francis Ford Coppola, who made The Godfather, to Sophia Coppola, who made Marie Antoinette, to introducing your babysitter's boyfriend as your replacement parent because your parents aren't around enough. I feel like this TikTok is a tragedy of timing because if it had come out before the Academy Awards it would definitely have won. <laughs> Did you guys see this?
0: I adored this. It was it was a beautiful thing. It, it is part of the great Coppola legacy of just smudging a little bit of your parent's reputation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, this is the the degradation of ages happening in in front of our very eyes. They use it like
0: like people. There's been a lot of discussion about this, and a lot of the like um, attackers. She's looking for an onion so she can make this pasta. She does not make the pasta. This is how it separates from the first Godfather. There is no pasta sauce <laughs> making in the film, but she um, is says she needs an onion and she pulls out a shallot, and that's fine. I do that all the time. <laughs> and like when everyone's like, "Oh my god," she doesn't know anything. I'm like. Oh, I need to downgrade the stars in my kitchen because I might not be the chef that I believe myself to be.
2: <laughs> On the shallot front, I'd say, if you don't have an onion, yeah, use it.
3: Why not? That seems yeah. fair. I mean, she says she doesn't know the difference between garlic and onions. And then she says, oh. like, points points the cut end of a shallot towards the, the camera. Um, Is this podcast all
2: just describing memes?
3: Yes. <laughs> Yes, 100%. As someone who's been on this podcast many times, I'm sure you're aware.
2: Um, so there's this panda, right? And it's little <laughs> and it sneezes and its mum gets a shock. i have actually like living somewhat
0: fear of... The day that Gen Z realized what a chokehold a bunch of pictures of owls had on us for like a like five years that you could share just an owl and be like, well, that's a very funny owl, and then every few weeks they discover a new owl and we'd be like, oh, this this opens up all kinds of possibilities. And when they find out about that,
2: they're gonna flay us. <laughs> They won't find out about it, of course, because they get all of their information from TikTok.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The satirical cartoon this week is a brainstorming office scene with a bunch of police sitting around a table looking at a whiteboard. On the whiteboard, a pair of handcuffs with two big question marks inside them, like googly eyes, and at the front of the room is a man in a sequined jacket with the name tag Presidential Perp Walk Choreographer on it. (laughs) The one little window where we're allowed to do a little bit of politics podcast bro news now and as a podcast sis is that what i am uh i feel like this speaks to my heart apparently it has become a thing that people will not date podcast bros uh john luke roberts as a podcast bro how do you feel about this
2: i don't it's not doesn't seem fair. This isn't even my podcast. I can't, is it a red flag if you go on other people's podcasts?
3: I don't know what constitutes a podcast, bro. Uh, James Collie, you're a scientist. Can you unpack this?
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I would love to. Um, it is true. Like I've, I have podcasts, so uh, this this makes sense to me. It's actually fairly useful for me because I also have a wife. So when you have both a wife and a podcast, you really shouldn't be dating people at all it's two (laughs) big red flags um did you make sure you got the wife before you started the podcast oh my god yes Do you think you could do it the other way around (laughs) (laughs) so looking over this article one of the things that the new york times does every so often when they can't incite a war which is that they just try and throw a bunch of stuff at the wall now this article i think it's evidently true that people would avoid podcast bros because the problem here is shit content in general. Whenever, and as everyone if we've been romantically involved in our lives know, anytime you date someone in the art, it is a risk that they are bad at that art and you will have to really grit your teeth and survive what is happening. And a lot of this, these examples seem to be proof of this fact. So I'm going to take uh, the first example they use in the piece, which is Ms. Robertson, 24, who began seeing someone in December 2021. Now we're just going to count the flags as we pass it because that's one. Don't start dating someone in December. Makes Christmas really weird. Bad time. He was <laughs> 35 at the time. She's 24, okay. Uh, He was 35 at the time and had dreams of being a social media influencer. Now, I'm going to say that sentence again, but with my own emphasis. He was 35 at the time and had dreams of being a social media influencer. Now, there was also an article a couple of uh, weeks ago now about millennials approaching middle age. Now, middle age for our generation does not look like it looked for the older generation. It does not have a convertible attached to it. It has DJ decks or a podcast mic. Choose which kind of insufferable you want to be and walk down your path. (laughs) And then as we go on through, the situationship is what they call it. And uh, is described as very embarrassing in quotes, which I will agree. It was very embarrassing. But what this shows... Is As we go down this article, this this study into podcast bros, is if you're good at it, it's fine. Raymond Pang is also mentioned in this article. He's a 31-year-old podcast producer and sound designer who works mostly on science shows and has never personally experienced romantic rejection because of his profession. It was an entry point into conversation. So if your podcast is fine or interesting, you seem okay. All of these are just shitty people they seem to be shitty people who also have a microphone which yes extra terrible the plan otherwise would be stick to jerk-free jobs like advertiser real estate agent
3: police officer
0: (laughs) comedian you know the things that no prick of a man could ever be involved in
3: I think the specific problem here is with podcast bros, which is one of those terms of art that people recognise when they hear but can't necessarily describe. And I'm going to take a shot at describing it. It is somebody uh, who enjoys the sound of their voice so much that they feel like other people will also enjoy the sound of their voice. It's somebody who feels like the conversations that they have with friends are so charming and interesting that everyone else would like to hear them. It's somebody who feels like they cannot hang out with their friends uh, in a way that doesn't make them money. And all of those things combine to make somebody who will express an opinion on a thing they know nothing about uh, and do it in as obnoxious a way as they possibly can, because part of going viral is being annoying.
0: This feels right Right between the eyes For me Firstly, <laughs> I feel like You have brought me On this show To drop that definition And then say End your
2: defence And mine is It's worked so far I've written a list Of other things That are red flags Oh please yes The question yes. of Like is podcasting A red flag The answer is obviously yes But mm-hmm. then so is Being a man So I've got some other things Just so I think it's a cumulative thing Of how many red flags You get Um Being overly polite or not very polite at all. Mm. Being rude to serving staff. Putting a gun on the table at the first, second, third (laughs) or any date. um, Blowing into the foam at an acute angle on a cappuccino and saying, that looks like a clitoral hood. Um, (laughs) Cooking furtively. Murder. Shaving at the table. Wearing a hat indoors. Or being a bear. I'm guilty of three of those but i won't go (laughs) explaining any further
3: i think a bear can be something that people are quite into
2: i mean an actual bear i don't mean the sort of the the human like bear you know the queer archetype of a bear no i mean a grizzly bear (laughs)
3: oh yes yeah no that's 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 a red flag yeah
2: a bear that puts a gun on the table
0: (laughs) might be (laughs) solving a 70s (laughs) square. (laughs) I'm going to find who took this picnic basket and I'm going to compromise them to a permanent end.
3: Your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy. Are you ageing? Are you losing your looks and attractiveness and value to society? Do you feel like you've gotten away with too much for too long riding the fickle horse of youth and now you're washed up on the shores of reality with withered legs and a lack of skill that has until now been masked by people's willingness to help you now withdrawn as you wither? Try acceptance. Acceptance. It's less embarrassing than the other options. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the chimpanzee enclosure at the zoo. So great. Such apes. So human. Look, the baby's playing with my baby. It knows it's a baby. Oh God, are their buttholes meant to look like that? Yes. Chimpanzees. Their buttholes are meant to look like that. (laughs)
0: It really is a big strike on intelligent design, isn't it? (laughs) Well, these have all been uniquely crafted to be particularly awful.
3: Are you in your school's paper plane competition in a boarding school in the 20s? Folding the fastest, highest, most papery plane is a tough task, especially as you've inherited your left grandmother's horrible dry skin. Quench that skin and fold those flaps with the moistest assistant a boy in a flat cap could want. Half a glass of water. Gee, Matron, it really does the trick. It's freshened my finger dabs more than a double whipping after supper. Half a glass of water, a period piece.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com.
3: Moonpig.com
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plushcare.
3: And literary news now. This is the news that romance novel authors are under threat. Uh, su- the suggestion is that the genre is so formulaic that it will easily be eaten by artificial intelligence. As the author of a romance novel, James Colley, can you unpack this story for us?
0: Yes, of course I can. And thank you for considering Sam Thide's biography of an NRL career, a romance novel. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: Well, you did write a rom-com and a novel, and I figured I could give you credit.
0: (laughs) Uh, The next book's a rom-com novel. Stick around for plugs. Uh, This is a great... So the question being posed here is, are romance authors at risk from book writing chatbots? And firstly, uh, we have this great rule that any headline with a question mark, the answer is no, because if the answer was yes, they'd report on it. But uh, if we're going into this... Firstly, famously, for anyone who has even a cursory knowledge of a Star Trek universe, it is so hard to teach the robot how to love. It is so very, very hard. It takes (laughs) up entire season arcs, entire character arcs to try and teach the robot to just love a little bit. So, to teach a robot to write an entire romantic novel, well that is far too far a challenge. Now, they say the formula is easy to reproduce. That doesn't mean it will be good. (laughs) People are easy to reproduce. That doesn't mean we're good. (laughs) We've had
3: about
0: (laughs) two decades of rom-coms and five years of all of the biggest films all being very easy to produce formulaic things. I didn't see any good ones. I'm not sure if you saw any good ones, but I certainly wasn't entertained. Uh, So I think the challenge here is that this opens the potential for a flood of books. And right now, the romance genre is hugely, is a massive hit. Uh, And I say uh, the romance literary genre is a massive hit. Once it becomes a Netflix series, it retroactively becomes a massive hit. Uh, And I think Uh the challenge here is that there could be a flood of other books, I suppose. So if you're worried uh, your book writing job is under threat because there'll be other books, What you should try to do is distinguish yourself by being talented or interesting. So that would be my advice, (laughs) to try your best to be talented or interesting. And if you can't do either, podcast bro.
3: I have written a list of dukes that I I feel like I can feed into the AI to give the AI a head start on writing romance novels. In case you're not aware of dukes, Uh, they play a a pivotal part in many uh, period pieces And uh, here are some of the Dukes you might encounter. Uh, Note, almost all Dukes are massive and muscular. Occasionally you get a smaller Duke, but they usually do martial arts. Bear in mind that none of these Dukes look anything like real-life royalty, which tends slightly towards pallid awkwardness in claustrophobic regalia, rather than ab-definition in an open-collared linen shirt. You have the Duke of X, who is an industrious business duke of common roots, a ruthless man with a self-made fortune who was induced later in life. His hard exterior masks a need for control, born of his desire to protect those he loves, abs of steel formed by understanding the class system. Uh, The Duke of Wye, he's a long-lost duke, rakish in his youth lost at war or sea or shipped off by a disappointed guardian. His time in the exotics becoming a real man has left him with abs of steel from learning about the world and cynical eyes about the high society into which he was born. Often he also made a fortune overseas... He has an unseasonal tan and moderately problematic exotic sex training. Uh, Went to India and discovered the clitoris. The Duke of B, a seemingly trivial duke with a secret spy network. He hides behind an apparently vapid front. Uh, His heroic role of dashingly saving the king and country from sinister evil clubs and society, usually the hellfire one, but sometimes something Latin or Greek. Uh, They love sacrificing virgins. He loves punching a weak-chinned lordling set on ravishment. Abs of steel from holding all the secrets in. And the Duke of C, an uptight Duke with an overactive sense of responsibility, and probably a younger sister. Apparently extremely arrogant and so conscious of his position as a duke that he's willing to put you in your place about it, it turns out that also means taking his shirt off to work in the fields with his men and also being on first-name terms with the villagers. He refuses to marry for love because his mum was sad and he carries trauma about it. He will marry only for ruthlessly appropriate reasons. If she wants to marry him, she is a humorless prig. If she doesn't, she's his destined bride. His abs of steel from judging matchmaking mamas. And those are some starter dukes. I think you bring
0: up this interesting point for this whole genre. Because I, like, uh, my wife loves this genre. I read a lot of this genre. Can I just always.
3: say, genuinely, my favourite response to a joke of mine is I think this brings up an interesting point. <laughs>
2: it's
3: really my wheelhouse.
2: Heckled from the second row. <laughs> ah, ah, furthermore.
0: <laughs> what makes these books sell is that they're unbelievably horny. And I think, like, for those of us (laughs) who don't read these much, you might be surprised how unbelievably horny (laughs) they are. Like, They make American Pie look like an actual period piece. Like, there is a lot... (laughs) There is just an abundance of the most intricately described sex fairly constantly. And all I'm saying is I think... We're still going to want that in five or ten years, no matter what chatbots produce. What I'm saying is, if we haven't run out of the need to make more pornography in general at this point, we might just have an insatiable desire for it. Like, we've never once been like, and I think that's it. I think we've covered all the porn we'll ever need. All right, that's a wrap, everyone. (laughs) Grab some bagels and coffee.
2: I actually... Because I know that the, the BBC article is quite speculative and asking, like, is this, but, but I've got hold of the first few novels written by chatbots. Oh. And okay. I can summarise them if that's all right for you. Please. Um, first, there's Horse Time at the Abbey when a woman moves to become a monk at the Abbey. It's nice, <laughs> but there's a lot of horses used at the Abbey. And there's quite a hunky man who looks after the Abbey. And things seem to be, like, going along quite well between them. And then she ends up fing a chatbot instead. <laughs> And then there's another one um, I've got here called Sex Peter, which is about a, a kind of 30-ish-year-old woman who... It, this gets a bit confusing. She goes to a building called Peter. A man <laughs> lives in the building. He's called Peter. Everything in the building seems also to be called Peter. But anyway, um, she ends up f***ing a chatbot. And then there's a, one of them called The Doctor With Thick Thighs, where there's a really hunky doctor with thick thighs, and a 30-year-old woman ends up f***ing a chatbot. Um, there's one called The Prince Have Come. There's, it's sort of self-explanatory, but she ends up f***ing a chatbot. But then there's um, Horn Time in the Honk Factory. Um, <laughs> long story short, uh, the chatbot gets it.
3: Uh, oh, very good. It brings up
2: an interesting point. <laughs> That's one of the lines from
3: Horn Time in the Honk
1: Factory,
2: actually. <laughs> A completely AI point. That's the point the chatbot makes. Out like you see, it's very. You haven't seen a penis like this before. Yeah, in the room. It's purely generated from other people's words that they <laughs> slaved over over time.
3: Ah, your reviews section now. As you know, each week our guest editors bring in something to review out of five stars. James Collie, what have you brought in for us this week?
0: I am bringing in the unlocking of my inner artist. Now I have kept this inner artist <laughs> caged for a long time for good reason didn't want him to escape in the night you know what they're like they're flittery uh and i did this by visiting my local art supply store and picking up a bunch of uh pastels and some canvas i've never really drawn like this before so i did this uh for quite a bit and i found it quite relaxing and and intriguing and i felt um uh like oh wow this might this might really be something here i'm really enjoying this and then um i saw my daughter who is 14 months old doing the same activity uh with her own pastels which uh i had invented coloring in and i thought it was um a brilliant expression of My inner artist just waiting to come out, Uh, turns out uh, my inner artist is still six and there's not much much brilliance lying deep under the surface, this is about all I've got. So I would say three stars, Uh, I would give it five for helping me come to terms with myself but it was a disappointing self to come to terms with so I'm gonna knock it back down to three stars.
3: I think art can sometimes just be for the artist. I like
0: to separate the art from the artist because I love Kanye West's
2: speeches, but I hate his music. So I'm just... <laughs> uh,
3: John Luke Roberts, what have you brought in for us this week?
2: Well, I've um, travelled to Australia recently and around Australia a bit, and so I've been on quite a few planes, uh, and so I'd like to review babies screaming on planes and. I have quite a provocative opinion on this. I'm for it. I think, like, (laughs) it's just, it's great. They're screaming what we're all thinking. I think, like, good for you. Yes, we should be doing this all the time, but somehow we've civilised ourselves and not. The only thing I would suggest as an improvement is... The worst thing about being on plane is the lack of legroom, obviously. That's the thing which really makes it hard. Now, for a baby, my God, they have a lot of legroom. They, they do. have so much legroom. So if they could stop screaming and instead loudly, at the same volume, brag about all the <laughs> legroom they have, I think that would really irritate people in a more specific way, a more grueling way, a more torturing way, and would help the babies win. When the plane war comes, so I give Screaming on a Plane for Babies three stars on the basis they could improve.
3: Tech sector news now, and this is the news that Amazon has laid off another 9,000 workers, another 9,000 workers deprived of the opportunity to piss into bottles by Bezos. John Luke,
1: mm.
3: you've pissed in places before. Can you unpack this story for us?
2: My god, have I pissed in places? Yeah, I can unpack this as if I was unpacking a parcel from Amazon. So I'll open up the box, I'll take out like loads and loads of loads of packing, loads of other boxes, and then find the inappropriately small thing in the large cardboard thing that I got. They have just laid off nine thousand people, having laid off a lot of people before. They could have done it all at the same time, but apparently different departments weren't following up the way. So they've done it in a kind of way which is by surprise and once people thought they had job security. Uh, it doesn't fit in with Amazon's general nudging, if you order something on Amazon, of, of picking one day to have everything delivered. Rather, they've spread it out into different boxes over time. Um, yep, that, that's that's more or less it. <laughs>
3: that's more or less it. James Colley?
0: I think this is a tough story. So I've been trying to help the workers transition to life after Amazon, which can be a huge shift. So I've been... Uh, easing the burden by uh, monitoring their toilet breaks, watching them all the time and hitting them with a ruler if they're not working fast enough, (laughs) um, take pay away from their pocket whenever they do hugely indulgent things like have a panic attack on the company time. You know, it's just these little things that we can help ingratiate people back into the workforce. And I think that's, that's all we can do because Jeff Bezos right now is struggling, folks. He's on his last... Hundreds of billions of dollars. And I think if a few people have to starve to let him afford one more divorce, and this time it's going to stick, baby, we've got to do what we can. I'm a big fan of the like um, uh, billionaire love stories because I've been following uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, next marriage, uh, his newly announced marriage. Uh, I hope they have a... Uh, it's usually traditionally you say long and happy life, but I'll say happy life. Together, happy small percentage of some of his life together. You know
3: what they say about escaping from bears and marrying Rupert Murdoch. You don't need to be the longest married. You just need to be the last. <laughs> I just
0: love the idea. Have no interest in the empire. He's just a sexual dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> i also try to use because uh his partner is a uh, soon-to-be wife is i believe 66 he's well into his 90s so i'm trying to leak this to tiktok so they can do a lot of um problematic age gap relationship gear with this
2: i read about it but in the version i read like she ended up just f-ing a chatbot I don't
3: know. <laughs> Train derailment horror story news now. And it's rare that the derailment of the train isn't the part of the train derailment story that is the most tragic. But in this instance, in Palestine, Ohio, it is more the mushroom cloud of toxic chemicals that were vaporised over a human town whose long-tail effects are troubling the mind of the reader. For those of you who have not been following this story, good on you. If you start following this story, make sure you're outside the containment area and wearing gloves before you tune in. There's a train that was traveling through uh, Palestine in Ohio, which was carrying things that were volatile chemicals, though it had avoided mentioning that because it wouldn't have been allowed to go through... Uh, civilisation without um, higher insurance premiums, so that's fun. Cutting costs has led to human tragedy. Community members are claiming that they are not satisfied with official reports that say all the levels of chemicals have gone down to low and safe levels because those same community members are still having headaches and coughing and getting skin rashes and there's been a plague of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all the colanders have started screaming and won't stop. So it's it's looking a little bit like perhaps they're not reporting things as they should be reported. Uh, James Collie, you're a toxic chemical. Can you unpack this story for us?
0: Yes, I love toxic masculinity, and thus this will be my area. I love an ooze. Actually, this is very this is very threatening to me because if the EPA said, look, there's been a massive spill of an ooze in your town, and you mustn't touch it, I know the percentage chance that I become a Hulk or a spider gentleman or anything of the kind is just worth the risk ultimately and i will spend my last tumor ridden hours (laughs) thinking that yes it's finally happening for me um i i think this is a amazing bit of spin in this story because uh they're worried that uh as you said that these uh being reported, the long-term exposure effects aren't being reported. Uh, What's handy in this is they're not, they're saying that it's safe. They're just not saying what time period it's safe for, which is a really nice trick to get around. These chemicals are totally safe, provided you only remain in contact with them for zero seconds. If you go over zero seconds, look, that's on you. And yes, they are very, very deadly indeed. But if you keep it to zero, You're great. Now, this is going to sound like a grim news story, but I urge you, do not make judgment on it until you hear Ringo Starr's narration added over the top. It's actually quite charming and antiquated. You'll really like it. It's it's really relaxing actually.
3: In such a horrendous way that they dealt with this accident. It took them 3 days uh, to evacuate a 5 square kilometer area around the train accident. They then punctured the train cars to drain the chemicals that they were carrying, including vinyl chloride and butyl acrylate. Uh, which are both quite volatile, and they drained them into pits because mm-hmm. you know chemicals in the soil is totally uh, benevolent. And then they did what's called a controlled burn of these pits, which uh, was uh, the premise was to avoid an explosion, but did in fact generate an enormous black cloud over the entire town. John Luke, you get depressed sometimes. Can you unpack this black cloud news? <laughs>
2: Oh no, because I can't verbalise the depression. That's quite no. the problem. <laughs> what excites me about the story, and I think it's, it is that independent researchers filling in the gaps left by the authorities means this is basically vigilante scientists yes. having to come along, hmm. hopefully dressed up like some animal, uh, maybe a chimpanzee, not, <laughs> and um, get their bum holes out if they're a chimpanzee. That's a slight ruffle. Anyway, <laughs> they come along, clear up. And the people of Palestine, Ohio, are really pushing for them to take more samples so they can get proof. And I think this is a great way of dealing with it because if they take enough samples of the soil and the water, there will be nothing left to be contaminated. So that's the way to go. Just huge amounts of samples. I can't. I think part of the
0: reason this would have taken so long to evacuate the town is they the authorities went. Okay, there's been a horrible derailment and spill. We need to get everyone out. Everyone to the train station. Oh, no. Oh, I've made this much, much worse. I did like the idea of a safety fire pit, though. It's just like at least the the apocalypse is a bit metal, don't you know? Like, oh, so much for going out with a whimper. This is a bang, baby. We're going out with a bang.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's always slightly worrying they say uh the municipal water is safe to drink but people who are using private wells should drink bottled water and i just think if you can't safely drink water from a well the place that waters are meant to come from maybe you've poisoned the earth it's
2: quite a sad story isn't it Yes, satire. I think the the world's
0: in terrible shape. There are (laughs) are job losses. (laughs) People can't find love because everyone's so poisoned by the internet. They're poisoned by the world itself. And robots are taking all of our jobs. I I think we're in real trouble here, folks.
2: You're right. Podcasters are the least worst thing about this world.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the show. I'm flipping through the ad section at the back. john look, have you got anything to plug? Oh, yes.
2: I'm performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, my show at World Just Like Our Own, but for four days from the 30th of March. I'm also doing my big old cabaret, Cabaret Impedimenta, on the 1st of April. That's what I'd like to plug at the moment.
3: I highly recommend going and seeing both of those shows. I've seen them both, and they're very good. Uh, Although Cabaret Impedimenta varies with the acts. So, I can't guarantee that it will be good, but I have seen it before and it was good. Uh, <laughs> James. <laughs> Can we
0: get, uh, as a poster quote, I can't guarantee it will be good, Alice Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, the, the last rom-com to ever be released before chatbots fully take over. Uh, it's called The Next Big Thing. It's coming out through Pantera Press. And if you would like to pre-order it, I don't think you can do that yet. But yeah, write to them and say, I'd really like to pre-order this. And then uh, maybe they'll add a button to the page.
3: They'll put you on a list.
0: <laughs> well, they'll definitely put you on a list. if you're, If you're following my work, you're already <laughs> on a couple of lists.
3: And a big thank you to our roving reporters, James VT, who sent in the podcast Bros Stories, and Gadget Gav, who sent in the AI Romance Story. If you would like to be a gargle roving reporter, tweet us at HelloGarglers with stories that you think are funny or interesting or that we should be putting out on this podcast. I'm Alice Fraser. You can find me online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcast blogs and my weekly writers meetings. If you'd like to join a writer's meeting, we do a writer's meeting and a workshop every week. And you can get that at patreon.com slash alicefraser. My new show, Twist, will be at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So come and see that if you're in Melbourne or going to be in Melbourne. This is an Alice Fraser and Bugle podcast production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week.
2: You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories
0: and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.